Good morning, traders and investors. Are you guys ready for another pre-market prep? I'm excited to start today's show. Of course, we'll start it off the hop with a little bit of some oil talk and we'll get into the Goldilocks scenario. Or is this stagflation? We'll talk about Enbridge. We'll get into Zscaler's report. Asana Roku giving some pre-announcement here. We'll definitely talk about that action. GitLab. And we got some ratings out there. UBS getting out there on Toast and Block. And we'll also take a look at Southwest Airlines as they face some challenges with these higher fuel costs. We got our guest today, Tommy Lackey. And we can take a look even into the home builders. It's going to be a great show. Don't miss it, guys. Hit that thumbs up. Get us started. It's time to rise and shine, team. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, traders, let's get it started. I don't get a chance to do this too often, but I wanted to give a shout out to a, a bunch of our loyal listeners. They're always out here. EKS, Maximus, Carmen, Jay, Hertz, D, Life Lessons with Lou, Jennifer, Ben, Silver, Elon, Jay, Richard, all you guys out there, Eldon, Milky Fade, Beach Bum. It's always good to see you guys in the chat. And for those that I didn't mention, Thank you for showing up. That's what it's all about. It's you guys that make pre-market prep what it is. Let's get to the action. Of course, you guys can see the SPY down from the overnight action. We'll take a look to see what Triple D thinks about that action. And of course, the Q's also showing lower here. TLT bouncing a little bit, though, in the pre-market. That could be a good sign. We'll take a look to see if that can maybe lead us back. Um, we'll definitely keep an eye on what's going on there. We'll talk a little bit about oil coming up right now. And then, of course, we can take a look here at gold kind of in line, but definitely starting to decline top right. You can see it on the daily starting to pull back there. Silver also pulling back significantly. We'll see what happens there. And, of course, keep your eyes on Bitcoin. We'll see if anything happens with that situation that we've been seeing with the ETFs. And of course, uh, I've been keeping my eye on certain ETF stocks and Bitcoin stocks. We can talk all about that. But let's go ahead. Let's get back to the spy action. Let's bring on, of course, Dennis Dick and talk about the market action. Uh, what did you see yesterday, Dennis? Um, I saw a market that a lot of people would have thought held up pretty well and had a pretty good day because you had Microsoft up. You had a lot of the AI stories and video really held up well. A lot of tech names held up very well. But then when you lift and you look under, you saw actually a lot of the other names really getting hit. So, you yeah. know, even some of the lower P stuff really getting hit. IWM had a terrible day. That's got to be its worst day in a good month. So there was a lot of damage yesterday. So despite um, the markets and, you know, Microsoft and a lot of the media talking about, you know, it was a pretty good day for the markets. It really wasn't. It was a pretty ugly day for the overall markets. It was a good day for tech. Because a lot of the tech held up well, like I said. I am even Kathy, if you're looking at the growth tech stuff, I believe was up yesterday. But you had separation, you had that rotation again. A lot of value names really having a tough day yesterday. 
Definitely. And I could see that uh, defensive struggling. They were really getting hit. I mean, we even talked about Coke yesterday. That Where did that go? It kept going down. Um, definitely probably not the area to be in value. But I did see a bunch of oil stocks moving yesterday. And let's talk about what happened there. Saudi Arabia uh, and Russia's decision here to extend voluntary oil supply cuts until the year end has pushed international crude oil prices above $90 per barrel marking a significant development in the energy markets. If I take a look at WTI right now, and I'm just taking a peek here, I can see it around 86.33. I saw it kind of spike in the morning towards 86.90s. We have a range between kind of 85.93s and 87. Let's see if we can get WTI in the 88s because I'm a little bit of a bull here on this energy trade. What are you seeing, Dennis? Uh, again, I think energy is just overextended here. So I am obviously long PXD. It's been a good one here. I've got, you know, I've got some pairs on and energy stocks here from a day trading perspective, but I think the move's overextended. So I think you need a pullback. I've been bullish energy for a while. You know, when I was buying back, when I was buying the PXD back in June and July and obviously bought the OXY as well. I just think we've moved already. I think we've had a pretty good move. Some, some of the stocks haven't moved that much. But some of them have. And if you think we're going to get, you know, a little bit of a slowdown, which I still think could be coming, energy will take it there. So I'm not chasing energy here, but the value is there. I hear you. Is the Goldilocks scenario of cooling inflation and resilient growth gradually transforming into stagflation marked by persistent price increases and weakening demand? I think we can start thinking about this because we're clearly seeing how Who, who's saying that where are you seeing who's saying stagflation because they're way early on that i think it could happen but way it's early the, it's a thought process here it, are well, we I'm going closer where, towards was that so you it, just coming up or you were it's saying, a conversation you people talking about it yeah on twitter? It, it's conversation on twitter conversation on the streets right now is are we still thinking goldilocks or are we starting to think stagflation I don't think, I think very few people are thinking about stagflation. I think it's very early to start thinking about stagflation. We talked about this a few months back as a possibility, but we haven't seen the growth slow down whatsoever. So stagflation is obviously increasing prices with, you know, growth starting to slow. We aren't seeing any of that. We're seeing actually prices still decline overall and growth still somewhat robust. So we're not even close. So I'd take the other side. We are not even close to stagflation at this point in time. I think the conversation for stagflation is it's potential down the road if we start to see price increases again. But I mean, the CPI, if you believe the CPI, it's been pretty, you know, right here around four. We go from four to 4.1, 4.2. I don't consider that like we're back up at seven, eight, nine and having problems again. I think yeah. inflation is in check here. I think the growth has held up very well. I'm more in the Goldilocks camp. Um, I would have never thought I would be in the Goldilocks camp if you were to ask me a year ago. But, you know, that's kind of where we are is the, the, the consumer has just been very resilient. I'm still skeptical, which is why I still hold a lot of cash in the long-term portfolio. Again, my cash paying me upwards of 5 5 5.5%. Um, my Enbridge stock was paying me 7.8, but that's not doing very good today. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but I think you've just got to be careful jumping, you know, that we're going to be, you know, it's going to, this economy is going to fall off a cliff. Cause we haven't seen that yet. We've seen, you know, we've seen retail struggle. There's a few sectors struggling, but we're definitely not seeing growth slow tremendously here, which would indicate, you know, that we might be starting to worry about stagflation. 
Enbridge shares plunging here 8% after the pipeline operator agreed to buying East Co uh, East Ohio Gas Company here and Questar Gas Public Service Company of North Carolina from Dominion and EOG Resources. Uh, and this is for a combined value of 14 billion. The terms include 9.4 billion of cash and 4.6 billion of assumed debt. I know that you've been focusing on this story, Dennis. So I'm gonna let you yeah. call it here. What are you seeing in EMB? Are you gonna stay in it? What What's the idea now? Yeah, I'll stay in it. I bought this stock in the long-term portfolio. I was actually up in it again. Had actually been paid already a dividend off of it once too, which I believe was 60 or 70 cents. Um, it's obviously disappointing for shareholders when you see dilution. I get it. You know, I listened to the CEO interview on CNBC this morning. They're trying to expand. They're going to be the biggest natural gas producer in North America after this deal. So they're trying to expand. And it's the cost of expansion here. So they're looking, you know, to, to, to get into the U.S. more. Obviously, this gets them in there. So, but they're paying, you know, a decent premium here for these assets. And the one major thing is they're diluting the stock to do it. And that's why you're seeing the stock trade down. The offering price for that, you know, um, uh, offering there was $44.70 Canadian. If you take the exchange rate, which obviously fluctuates, but when I did it last night, it worked out to 32.77 US. Unbelievably, these risk herbs, look where it trades to. 3277 is where it's at right now. So I mean, this is just the way the the risk the ARBs trade this stuff and the bots trade this stuff. They see the price of the offering and they take it right to the price. This is just what they do. So is this, you know, short-sighted by the ARBs? The ARBs don't care. The, the bots don't care. They're taking it down to those prices because the price was listed there. So they take it right down to that price. Does this mean, you know, it's a long-term buy? I think so. I'm in it long term. It's got almost an 8% dividend down here now. I think that this will, they, they say it's going to be accretive. I think it will eventually be accretive. I don't love the dilution. Do I wish they did this deal? No, I wish they didn't do this deal because, you know, the stock was actually doing pretty well. And now this is, you know, definitely hits in the short term. It's tough to just bounce back. But I think, you know, I get it. They're trying to expand, they're trying to become bigger. I think, you know, the dividend, like people worry about the dividend. There's pretty good coverage there. I think it's safe. But after this, you know, um, it, it may take a little bit. But eventually they think this deal is going to be creative as well. So they can be making more money because of this deal. Um, the dilution isn't isn't the fun. And that's what's knocking the stock down. Sorry, I'll mute there. Zscaler reports impressive earnings for Q4 with an EPS of 64 cents, beating the estimate of 49 cents. Sales also exceeded expectations at 455.1 million compared to the estimate of 430.42 million. Zscaler's outlook for Q1 and fiscal year 24 is strong with expectations of EPS ranging from $0.48 cents to $0.49 cents in Q1 and $2.20 and $2.25 for the full year revenue projections of Q1 fall between $472 million and $474 million. Their range here for the year is $2.5 billion to $2.06 billion. These, of course, led to the first kind of pop there. Now it's pulling back and kind of getting a little sleepy here. What do you think about this chart, Dennis? Um, I don't like the price action from last night. Obviously, it got the big pop on the Ooh, earnings. Maybe you could that's say one seventy three seventy three. Yeah, so they ripped it. I don't know what they said on the call. Maybe they didn't say AI enough on the call, but it <laughs> fell off. 
it was up there for a good 30, 40 minutes. And then they just cannonballed it. And they must have said something on the call. And obviously, I didn't follow this story closely. I was trading other stuff last night. But I saw it go from, you know, being up 10 bucks to, boom, being down 4 bucks at one point in time. So it was a good 14-point fall right, you know, 40, 50 minutes after the report, which is probably the time of the call. So I'm assuming something was said on the call. I don't know that for certain. But it got hammered really hard in a very short period of time, which is usually indicative of something being said on the call. And, um, yeah, so it comes back in. So you don't like that price action. You never want to see a blow-off top like that where you catch, you know, people, oh, it's a really good report. We're buying. Now you catch all those people. They're all caught. Stock does not want to rally whatsoever. doesn't even want to get back to the green here. So um, not a great trading action from after hours last night. So I'd be somewhat concerned if I was long. Yeah, for me, I just want to see it start to get through the resistance here to the left-hand side. There's a high here at 162.67. There's a high at 163.13. And this close here of 162.80. So get back to 63. And maybe we can go and get back there towards those pre-market highs or, or after-hours high. I think it could get up there. And one thing that I've been watching is you look at Pan W, you look at CrowdStrike. They've been pretty hot as of late. Oh, so look really at CrowdStrike. Uh, CrowdStrike's really nice move here on the daily. I like how it kind of bunched up for one day and then took out the high the very next day. That shows me momentum that this is getting going. And I'm even watching snow with this move because it's lagging. Um, so snow, of course, in the same space could start getting going. So what do you think about cybersecurity snow overall? Snow is a bit different, though, like not so much cybersecurity. These are cybersecurity plays here. So I wouldn't put snow in there, but CrowdStrike. I mean, again... I don't like the action from Zscaler. CrowdStrike's already reported we had its move here. So Zscaler is going to dictate the move. I like your 163 number. Until Zscaler reclaims that and starts to look like it wants to go, that's major resistance for the stock. Asana surpassing the earnings estimates for Q2 here. Let's go pull up the stock with an EPS of a loss of $0.04, cents, outperforming the estimated loss of $0.11. Cents. Sales also beat the expectation of $162.46 million compared to the estimated $158.7 million. Asana's guidance for Q3 and full year included expected EPS range of a loss of $0.11 cents to a loss of $0.10 cents for Q3 with revenues projecting at 163.5 million to 164.5 million for full year 24 asana anticipates eps range of a loss of 42 cents to 39 cents and revenues ranging from 60 uh, 642 million to 648 million There's definitely no also a, a little bit of a pop fake though here to 23 again same story as Zscaler got popped and then they sold the pop. I mean, it's a little indicative of what the market action was yesterday. A little bit more selling the rips um, as opposed to, you know, this, you know, rip roaring bull market. And what we talked about yesterday on the pre-market show, we don't need to chase. One day later, a lot of stocks sell off. So again, proven that you don't need to chase, at least right now. We're just not in this rip roaring bull market here. And even the stocks that have good earnings, you don't need to chase. And if you are chasing those, you are losing. There is one thing to say is, I don't know how you say his last name, but the CEO or president, CEO and president, Dustin Moskovitz, I think is how you say it. He buys this stock. It's got to be three times a week. He buys huge size in it. Like, I don't know what this guy is worth, but there is no insider that buys their stock more than Asana. So, I mean, does he eventually know something here? Like, he just continues to accumulate he now owns 42 million shares 
um, at $21 a share. As you can say, he's got almost a billion dollars of his own capital in this stock and in this company. So he puts his money where his mouth is. There's no CEO that's buying the stock, their stock more aggressively that I've seen because I watch the filings. And this one's on there two or three times a week. He just continues to buy no matter what the price. This has been going on for the better part of a year. That I don't know why he's just accumulating so much of his stock. Maybe just, you know, he obviously believes in the company or wouldn't continue to buy it. It makes me want to buy the stock too when I see a CEO buying the stock that aggressively for that long. It makes me think, you know, that he's eventually going to turn this company into a profitable, you know, into profitability. But I'd still like to see the thing get profitable. And the problem is with all these CEO buys, the market completely ignores them all now. Usually when you get a CEO buy, the stock will pop 2 3% because it's such a huge vote of confidence. But because he does it so much, the market never cares that he buys. So it never even pops at all when he buys anymore. It's just expected he buys so much. But I've never seen a CEO buy a stock as much, their own company as much as this. And I like that. So I do like that. Um, what I don't like is that the company is not profitable. So give me a call, chat. Let me know when this thing turns profitable. Maybe it'll be too late at that point in time, though. Yeah, that's my thing. It's uh, it's uh, one product, and um, I, I just don't see that it can't be replaced by a competitor. That's my biggest thing. I always look at thinking, like, can someone else just do the same thing that Asana does? Yes, they can clearly do it. So, where's Benzinga the comp- uses Asana? Do they not? Yes, and I can tell you, what I don't do you guys go on use there. It for? <laughs> what, what's um, that? It's it's mainly to like kind of uh, structure organized tasks together. For okay. organizations right and so okay. there's plenty of services that do this though it's yeah. not like it's just asana is the only one that does this that's why i don't like it because there's no competitive advantage if someone were to com- tell me what's the- comes something better and then they're in trouble. exactly very yeah. easily someone can yeah. step in and take their lunch yeah. so all right hmm. let's get out of uh, asana let's go to roku roku's action we've been keeping up with dennis and so look at that move now i mean a little late now but let's talk a little bit about that daily candle holy moly roku announcing expectations yeah. for q3 total net revenues in the range of 835 million to 875 million up from the previous estimate of 815 million and slightly above the estimated 829.19 million uh, Roku is implementing measures also to reduce operating expenses, including a workforce reduction that will affect approximately 10% of its employees. So it looks like the old uh, cut your workforce reduction, or should I say the new one, you know, because it was kind of old a couple of months ago. This is what a lot of companies were doing, right? They were cutting workforce to try to get the stock to bounce and get a nice jump. Well, it's getting the jump here. And we were talking about this daily bunch up that it looked good there when it started to crack 82s. Now you're up there towards even a pop one to 95. Where we went to 94.84. Wow. I wish we would have looked at the technicals on this two days ago because it had everything that I like in technicals. I like the big pop. Again, it's Roku. Maybe we did. Dennis, Maybe I said we looked at it on Friday. Uh, I don't even remember what we talked about. I'm, I'm assuming we probably liked the technicals, but I probably would have said that it's Roku and I'm scared of Roku, though. That's I, literally, I I actually, literally I, what I you I, said. Literally what you said, Dennis. You were like, I like what, the chart. Funny. I, I'm getting old. But I, I hate don't Roku. Remember. Yeah, I like the chart, but it's Roku <laughs> and I would stay away because it's Roku. I mean, here's another headline, you know, that, you know, it's a good headline. It's popping up. Ro- workforce reductions are good, too. Um, this is the time you ring the register. If you like the technicals here, 
you know, and it was a nice setup. It's got the hook. I talk about everything in it. You know, you get the headline in your favor. I think this is the ring the register moment here. So I don't think this blasts off. I think you'll run into trouble at the 97, 98 area here. Um, I think this is a ring the register opportunity in Roku. Yeah, some people are saying, is this showing more like recession concerns from the company because they're cutting workforce, right? Is it because they're seeing, you know, revenues come down? I mean, it could be something definitely to talk about the D Hall bringing in that conversation. Nothing wrong with that outlook for Roku, but we did see growth stocks continuing to push. I think that's also playing in with Roku's move here. I'll see if it can get back to 94.50. GitLab. Uh, GitLab is GL. What's the, what's the ticket for GitLab? I, I never take a, I, this is one stock you can tell. I never look at it. GitLab reports QT, Q2 earnings with an EPS of $0.01, cent, surpassing the estimated loss of $0.03. Cents. Sales came in at $139.58 million, outperforming the estimated $129.67 million. GitLab's outlook for Q3 included an expected adjusted EPS range of a loss of $0.02 cents to a loss of $0.01. Cents. Revenues projections at 140 million to 141 uh, full year. Also staying within the range here. GitLab. I really don't know much about this company, so I'll kick it to you. I don't Dennis. either. I don't follow this company whatsoever. <laughs> That's the hard part. Either. There's certain companies that you just know, and I can tell you right now, I don't. I don't get. I don't know this one too much. I don't know let's it use, either. Let's use what pro. I, but we can let's do a technical pro. on anything. Me and Mitch can do a technical on anything. 54 and a half to 55 is where you got all those tops. So let's see what it does there. After hours, it looks like that's where it started to struggle. I mean, you got to kind of look at these levels. It's funny. They sometimes yeah. go right to these levels on the initial moves, and then they stall, stop them in their tracks right at those highs. So that's your major resistance point, 54 to 55. Above yeah. there, it gets a little more interesting here. But I don't follow this company at all. Yeah, and even point to a high to the left of that, the 5360. Look look how they line up. Look at the 5450 area, then look at the 5360 area. Also another stopping track right in that area. And so I'll be watching to see if they can get above these levels uh, just to look at it technically. And one thing that I like to do is for charts like this, you can just do kind of a rectangle and look for it to get out of the rectangle, right? Sideways action, right? I look for it to finally break out of that. Show me that it wants to make its way. Then I can maybe come back and look for pullbacks to get it, uh, a part of this because that's what I try to avoid. I try to avoid sideways action because that's easily how I can just continue in the chop zone and get chopped up here in GitLab. You can always, this is the same thing I teach all the time. I don't have to swing at every pitch. You know, I probably am more successful in my trading business, and I have been a very successful trader. My track record has proven it over the 23-year career. Again, all of my, basically all of my net worth has come from trading. So my houses, you know, everything I've done, I've never really had since, you know, I started right out of university, 22 years old, so I didn't really have anything. So it has all come from trading. The reason I've been successful over 23 years with professional trading is that I don't swing at every pitch. I mean, I look for my setups, and I'm, you know, and I'm, and, and I don't trade the crazy stuff. Everybody thinks, oh yeah, you know, that one's moving 50%. I got to jump into that one. Those are the ones I stay away from. Yeah, because my danger. real job as a trader is to protect my capital at all costs. That's my real job. You know, I'm not. A, and people think you're a gambler when you're a trader. They think you're a gambler. It's the opposite. I'm trying to actually play against the gamblers. I'm trying to play exactly. like the casino, trying to find my edge, employ my edge. And if my edge is in two, 3%, you know, over the course of time, you know, I will, you know, extract alpha from that. 
So, but playing, you know, crazy stuff or stuff that I don't know anything about or taking a shot. I mean, that's fun to do if you're in a gambling mode. Maybe I would do it on something small with capital. But I think, you know, you just know what you trade. Know your stocks. Like I said, probably the stock that I trade the most, one of the most, is probably Coca-Cola. I probably trade Coca-Cola three to four times a week because it's stable. It's predictable. You know, I obviously have been talking. I have a bias to the short side. But sometimes I find myself long here, too, against other things. But, I mean, this stock doesn't go and just kill you for 4% or 5% overnight. So, I mean, that's the key with trading is knowing who you are. And if you're a great trader and you're great at trading the crazy stuff, keep trading that stuff. But if you're just starting, that is the hardest stuff to trade. And I think this is the hardest part of being a day trader. I talk about this on our live trading stream often is that being a day trader does what? It gives you really the possibilities are endless almost. At least it seems like it's endless. You could go trade smaller names, mid cap, large cap, oil. There's so many opportunities. Like Dennis said, you don't need to swing at every pitch. Let's go to ratings. UBS upgrading toast. 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 That's what my kid toast. yells for every get morning. Get your toast, toast every morning. I know every that Dennis has toast. to get his toast every morning. Or at least uh, everybody in the, the house the needs to get toast. She starts yelling toast every morning. <laughs> well, yeah. UBS is also yelling toast this morning as they upgrade toast to buy and raising its price target. I'll give you that target right now. I need to post it up. Uh, but Toast is one that actually has been on my radar, Dennis. I just want to say this story is one to keep an eye out for because we all know how Block and PayPal have been struggling, right? We know how Stripe is still private, and that's going to be another competitor to Toast. But this is also a capability of maybe coming in and taking some market share from those three names and then finally taking a lift. So, um, of course, this is like a payment software what do you think about Toast here? Um, it's an upgrade that these get attention. One, because it's a retail darling from 2022. So there's a lot of traders that traded this back. Obviously, it's significantly off the highs. We know it got up to $69. But it's one of those stocks that is widely followed by retail. So when you look at ratings, the first thing you look at, is it a, is it a rating to buy? Is it a rating to sell? So this is an upgrade to overweight, correct? Buy? Yes, it's an upgrade buy. to buy and with a price yeah. target of 30. Okay, so it's a big price target move too. So when I'm like, and I I would say that I'm a specialist at figuring out what a rating is worth because I trade these things all the time. You know, when they when they come in, get them and there's opportunities. So you look and you think one, is this, you know, um, a stock that is going to buy or sell? It's the first question, going to buy. So that means it's a pretty good rating. Is it following like an earnings report or is it out of the blue? This is kind of out of the blue. So that's, you know, worth more as well. Then you look, um, is the price target significantly higher or is it a catch-up trade? No, the price target is significantly higher. So it's not so much of a catch-up trade. It's a more of a contrarian call because of stock. So that's even worth more. And then four, is it a widely followed name or is it a boring name that nobody cares about? Toast was widely followed at one time. Like you can say the volumes are lighter, but it was a retail, I was saying it was widely followed, retail followed. And it was. So could this spark spark under it? Yeah. Is it worth 4 to 5%? That's what I would say it's probably worth. Can it go farther? It can. I would say there's room to 24 on this thing from the chart. Um, I don't know if it goes there today, but I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, it's up 5%. This is way overdone. It's probably worth at least 5% just because of all those things I just said. Toast. Uh... We'll see, man. I like this. Uh, the chat is telling me here that it's, of course, not just payment. It pretty much is a one-stop shop.
for everything in the restaurant. SJ Trades. That's what we have. The chat also all jumping in. You guys always feel free yeah, to jump nice in with some feedback, right? I think that's what it's all about. Uh, someone saying that they see toast at 60 in a few years. Who knows? Maybe this is a good investment down here as it's been sideways down. Uh, and I'm looking to see if we can come back to these highs, the 25s, the 27s. Of course, those are ways away. Right now on the hourly and 15 minute, you can see 23 and 2250, 2240s as being support. I kind of like this chart the way it's setting up. I like I like it because those stocks were in favor a little bit yesterday too. The stocks that aren't making a lot of money, the Kathy type names. So it's not bad in that case either. I'm not chasing it here though, because the stock environment here, like I've been saying, you know, I'm a little bit cautious here overall in this in the market environment at this point in time. I feel like we've run a long ways, we've come back a long ways. I feel like there's a cooling period coming ahead. So I'm not chasing anything. UBS not liking though block and they downgraded it to neutral and lowered its price target here on block. So I, I guess, you know, likes toast, but doesn't like block. It was trying to get going yesterday. I love the cup and handle. I don't like the underperformance relative to its peers. So that's what concerns me here too. Support very well defined. We called this when it was coming down there to the 55. It bounced off those may lows almost to the cent. I mean, obviously, it breached it just on day one a little bit, got down to 54.72, but then came down, kissed it again at 54.97, 55, 24, 55, 31, 55, 40. So I was reading you all those lows. Support very, very well defined. Resistance, not so much. So as it gets back to support, 55 could bounce there again. Does it eventually get some life and get going? I thought it was going to start going. I think this downgrade takes it away. Uh, but I don't know if I'd be so quick to just sell it here. I mean, if you take it to 57, maybe you got to take it down to 55 at this point in time. So it's going 54. I'd probably say I was wrong and move out. But the relative performance of this relative to the peers is not great. PayPal's had a lot bigger bounce. A lot of other uh, tech stocks have bounced a lot more too. This is having trouble getting away from the 55. And that is somewhat concerning. And you also caught another analyst uh, rating that was pretty interesting. Dennis, what did you catch? Um, I, I forget already. You're setting me up. Do you remember the name? <laughs> <laughs> I looked at a lot. Chewy, Chewy, Chewy. Chewy, Chewy. Argus. Of course. Argus. So Argus you know why I wanted to bring this up? is because you, you, you said it was the only the dog food. <laughs> the yeah, dog know, food the dog company food. here. I know. I, and you know I don't love Chewy. But it's an interesting rating because yeah. um, it's going from hold to buy. Analyst Christina Ruggieri. Sorry if I mispronounced your name. At Argus is upgrading this from hold to buy. Um, they're talking uh, about, you know, I can just read you from some from the note. Um, since its IPO, 2019 revenue has nearly tripled to 10 billion. Gross margin has expanded by 800 basis points. Company posted earnings for the first time in fiscal year 2023. Uh, they believe its focus on customer services helped to differentiate it from competitors. So they're they're upgrading it. Big price target, 30 bucks. Stock's only $24. It's had trouble getting off the mat, the disappointing earnings report. So this is kind of one of those ratings that's defending the stock. There's certain ones that are like, oh, you know, it's kind of been meandering and now we think it's bullish and we think it's ready to go. This is defending the stock more than anything. Um, they're going from hold to buy, though. So, you know, they're not just defending their own rating. Uh, but this is one that they think the stock, stocks come in. It's a pure contrarian call. I respect contrarian calls very much. Um, they're a lot better than the lemon calls where some analysts are just chasing prices. This is a contrarian call. Stock has been in the gutter. So you got to respect that. 
The issue is overhead supply. Just so much overhead supply here on Chewy. Everybody who's bought this in the last two months is basically underwater. The earnings report, which was initially up for a few minutes after reporting, then came back down. Needs to get up. Needs to this this rating here needs to get the stock to try to get it up into the gap area. We have the little gap in the chart from twenty six eighty three yep. all the way down to twenty five uh, $25 from earnings day. It needs to get up into that. And so far, not so good because it's only up 1% here on this buy rating here this morning. Uh, just overhead supply is an issue for the stock. All right, guys, I'm just drawing it how I see it. And this is exactly how I'd be looking for. I'd be looking for one more pullback close to that support around 2450, red to green move for Chewy, and then look to see if you can fill the gap to the upside. I'm with you, at least if it could get up there. Got to prove itself. Yeah, get up there past the 25, but I would like to see an actual buyers come in closer towards that 2450 versus it just going straight through 25. Give me one more attempt to wash and look like red and then come back on the day. That's what I'll be looking for on Chewy. All right, let's get to our guest today. You guys smash the like. We're going to go to the man that gave us the tape bomb. At least uh, I don't know if he, he named it, but the terminology, but did. I'll tell you one thing. He definitely deserves the recognition for it. Let's bring him on, Tommy Lackey. Tommy Lackey, managing How are we doing, How Tommy? We doing, it's good to see you. Doing great. Good to see you guys as well. Yeah, no, I can't take the tape bomb. I don't know where it came from, so I'm going to have to assume someone else said it, and I just parodied it. Well, uh, I'll tell you one thing. I, I think you, you definitely said it best, Tommy, and uh, we, we will always remember you for it. And that's what it's all about, right? We always are here on pre-market prep trying to get perspective, right? We can't tell you guys what to do, but we can definitely w wave the flags and, and tell you guys what we're seeing in the markets. So, Tommy, what are you seeing now as we're starting to get through a little bit of the rough stage of the year? Well, and I think that's kind of where we're at. We're starting to get through, but the question is, are we through? Um, and I don't think we are yet. I mean, it, it doesn't mean we have to go back down, but we're at levels that are getting fairly critical from the daily standpoint, as far as our march back up. Some Fibonacci stuff, some basic, uh, like if you look at the QQQ on a daily basis and look at this rally all the way from the, uh, the longer view on daily, you'll see that the trend line, the sharp trend line up broke and we're right now buttoned up on the underside of it. That's just a very classic technical danger zone is breaking the trend line and coming up and back testing it. Now, again, uh, we can't write a lot on it because the markets have really been doing pretty well digesting information, digesting some of the inflation numbers, some of the Fed rhetoric and kind of the bully pulpit. But at the same time, um, we've got to realize that that we're in the middle of the season until probably into this month that still has some, some potential rough spots. And Tommy, you kind of have called this market pretty well. A lot of people were expecting a slowdown in the first half of 2023. And you came on, it was January or February on the show. And you said, I think the first half is going to be okay. It's the second half that I'm worried about. And so far that has kind of played out because we had a pretty rough August for stocks here. We have started to see some of the economic data show a little bit of weakness, not so much the jaws, but you know some stuff. I know some German orders there we were talking in the chat there were down significantly here um, just overnight that we got that data here. But 
I mean, you've kind of been spot on so far. Are you still playing it cautious here for the second half then that we could actually get this slowdown in the second half? Or has the strength of the first half just, you know, now that maybe we're just going to get a slight pullback here and the party continues? What's Tommy Lackey thinking here today? I think we have to be open to it because, again, that's been kind of the the stance of my my reasoning behind that was is if the Fed doesn't back off or at least back off the rhetoric, um, if inflation stays high for longer, that's harder on people and on the leverage we have in our system right now. So that's my issue and my warning or my worries. But I would also say at the same time, um, when you start looking at the statistics, the way the breadth has worked, you know, breadth's a big part of what I do and some of the breadth thrusts we've gotten, things like that. You got to back off that a little bit and say, right now we're looking more corrective. We're not looking like this is the rollover. I'm not, and you know, Dennis, you've been in this long enough to where it doesn't look like it's the rollover until it is. Yeah. Um, so we got to be cautious anyway. But still, it looks to me like we may have pushed some of this off into next year at this point, as far as the potential worries for the economy in that scenario, because. You know, the job side of it really has stayed stronger than expected, and so has the consumer spending side of it. And really, whether we like it or not, that is what drives our economy inside and out. So, Tommy, I'm guessing you're on more of the Goldilocks scenario than the stagflation scenario. Well, no, I don't think it has to be either or. Okay. I think right now the markets are still reacting on the opportunity for us to get out of this unscathed. And all I said was, I think we might push it off till next year. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's going away because I do think we still have to pay the piper for some of the scenario and some of the excess from uh, the COVID stuff and all that. But the bottom line is, and in my view, and I may be wrong, I am a lot, is that all of this inflation has everything to do with just pretty much unchecked government spending more than anything else such a, and that's, that's not truth. stopping yeah and that's the truth so tommy let's talk specific sectors that you want to look at for this last you know third of the year here as we enter into september here um are there certain sectors and you can go either way if you want to go long short but are there certain sectors you like more than other sectors here well, I think we got to look and you know, I always like to, instead of just talking about sectors in general, look at the structure of the sectors and the relative scenario and how that's set up. And, you know, one of the things that would have me worrying a lot more about the markets and the economy, if during this pullback over the last two months, it had been led by utilities, consumer staples and healthcare, and it's been absolutely the opposite. But all three of those have now dropped to the worst relative strength in my rankings. Yeah. When if we really were going into a fearful market, which we know the sentiment drives it more than the reality, because that's usually a little forward down the road, then we're in a scenario to where they should be buying these defenses, not staying away from them. Definitely. I see the weakness that you're pointing to there, Tommy. And of course, the utilities have just been coming down pretty quickly. Um, healthcare, quick turnaround also there. Of course, technology has kind of been the lead. Another area that kind of concerns me is the financial area. Do you see any concern in bank concerns coming back there, Tommy? I know that we've been yeah. seeing at least a little bit of a pullback from the major banks like JPM and Bank of America. Mm -hmm. Well, number one, yes, you are seeing a pullback from some of those, but that's still three 
my third ranking, it's got an 82 out of 100 ranking on my relative strength because it really is those big ones that ran hard are now coming back. And even though they're not leaders, the regional banks aren't getting crushed here. And if you look underneath the surface, I think it was Ryan Dietrich pointing it out a week or two ago, that the credit spreads just aren't blowing out the way they would need to for us to have another feel that the banking crisis was getting bigger and bigger, not trying to get figured out. Now, <clears throat> the scenario, again, information technology certainly is a leader. And again, we can't lie to ourselves and say that's not where a lot of the earnings growth is. So whether they're more volatile or not, they are probably going to stay a leader for a while. Energy has been another great place to be and a very hated place to be. At the beginning of the year, it got real rough and then it just took off. You know, I, I took some hits in energy the first quarter of the year and, and in the first part of the year because I really had a good belief on what was going on and the fact that we just don't have the reserves of the supplies we need. Um, so I kind of stuck with it probably longer than I should have, but now it's finally paying off. And that's where, you know, again, it goes back to where are people in the markets? Where are they wanting to go? And I think looking, look, pull up consumer staples, XLP for me. You know, it's, it started when the market started down acting like, hey, we might do something when this correction started, but then it quickly rolled over. And if we were in more troubles in the markets and in the early stages of a turn down, then these would be going up and then they would roll over last. And so we're just not, I think we're in more of a corrective mode right now, unless yeah. someone really throws out something that, that shakes the apple cart. I mean, a lot of this consumer staple and utility weakness, I believe, has been rates. And obviously, as rates come up, it becomes an alternative to owning consumer staples because you got an XLP with a 2.61% dividend. Not a hell of a lot of growth in there, but it's, you know, in a 1% environment, it's nice to pick up that extra yield. But in a 5.5% environment, you're losing three points against that. So you got to be hoping to pick it up. I do believe, and I've done the same thing. I used to own some staples. I used to own some utilities in my longer term portfolio. I still have a little bit, but I've reduced that exposure just for cash. So that portion of my portfolio that I had in staples and that portion of my portfolio that I had in utilities, I've moved to pure cash because I'm getting paid more in there and it's safer. Well, sure, but that's that's kind of my point. I mean, is because that basically, if you're going to have money at risk, you need the growth side of it, and so no one really sees the growth here. But they're also it's also a scenario that the consumer spending enough that it's not falling off the table. You know, it's still more warnings on inflation, things like yeah. that. So this is that longer term inflation kind of settling in, and and you're making a logical choice of saying that look. I'm not getting enough this for the risk if something does go wrong. So for yes. the money that I will put at risk, I'm going to continue to put it in areas that have the growth. That's what we should always do, of course. But that's kind of what we're seeing here is that, hey, we're not throwing everything out the door right now. We're saying that if I'm going to have money at risk because that sideline interest rate is so high, then you've got to make sure I have a reason to be there. I can't be there just because it's a long-term safety play because eh, that's not really the case right now. I mean, this is summing up this entire market here, Tommy. Like, isn't this why Ooh. NVIDIA and isn't this why the technology companies, isn't this why Microsoft's moved up to a 30 PE and Apple's moved up to a 30 PE? Because, you know, people want to be in those stocks because they feel like they're going to get the growth there too. I mean, NVIDIA is your classic example. That's the number one growing 
technology company out there right now and people are going to have money at risk they want to be in the stuff that's growing here so isn't that why these stocks just have this non-stop bid well yeah and i mean you go to the next level and this is the part that perplexed me a little bit but i think i'm finally starting to smarten up and, and figure it out is and that's the other reason all the big cap techs are really in the lead over a lot of the mid and small I still do expect that to narrow some here at some point when we worry a little less about interest rates and where they're going. But right now, they're also the ones that are least affected by the interest rates because they are such cash cows. Um, and versus some small and mid-sized tech companies that maybe do have some leverage and some debt on their books they're about to have to roll over and refinance or whatever, and they're getting a little more concerned even if it is a good viable company. I'm not a PE guy because I think there's a lot of blowhards in that area and a lot of stuff that's just not worth my time. But at the same time, I've listened to a couple of things recently talking about how many of these unicorns and these big billion dollar companies are getting ready for big markdowns. And that's really, that's where I keep my clients out of that a lot of times because I truly believe the opaqueness of those books just aren't for me. Um, but at the same time, I think you've got to realize that maybe that's why these biggest tech companies are leading is because they are necessary they are growing and they do have the money to put into the next innovation without having to go out for a lot of expensive debt that's definitely something to watch of course we'll be keeping an eye on these technology names and see if they can keep pushing towards the next level do you feel that uh the ai kind of hype is slowed down now and we should be able to actually find some high quality moves here or do you feel like the AI hype is still keeping these stocks up. I think it's in a respite, but I think at the same time, I think it's a quote unquote hype that can continue to kind of move through um, because I think it's something that can affect a lot of industries uh, from the inside out. Um, and I think that the now the ironic part about it is, is we used to always worry about robots taking away all the low income jobs. And now we've completely flipped the script to where AI is taking away all the high income potential jobs, writing songs, acting, finance, all this stuff. So it's kind of an interesting irony out there right now. And honestly, I do believe there's a good place for it to grow fast due to things like NVIDIA and the increase in the computation power. You know, one of the things y'all know I've done for I guess since 2002 is I've played in a lot of back testing and researching and building my models and systems and all that. And, you know, I remember when I started to do a back test, I'd have to turn it on. And sometimes it'd take three days, three days to run a back test on as many wow. stocks or moving average, what I was doing. Now it's like eight minutes to still do twice as much stuff. The fact that we can comp compute at that level is going to change decision-making through all. Just think about AI now in healthcare, even though it sounds a little scary, there's still a lot of errors with doctors that could be cleaned up. And so I think there's a lot of places for it. So I don't know that it's overhyped overall. I think again, as always, the first, the first adopters jumped on real hard, made some quick money, and now we're seeing a shift in hands and we'll see if the institutionals really pick it up or not. All right. You guys can always learn more from Tommy Lackey. Definitely check out powerinvesting.com. And it's always good to have you, Tommy. Uh, we're waiting for the Tommy Lackey AI, but uh, I think we might have to wait a little bit longer. You let me know. I I'm, I'm downloading immediately. All right, guys. I appreciate have a good one, it. Tommy. Take care. Y'all have a great day. Good luck, everybody.
All right, let's get back to the markets. How you seeing things, Dennis? You seeing us? Uh, we we still climbing a little bit here. Oh uh, yeah, we're bouncing around here. We're gonna be choppy. Oof, I'm seeing a little tech chop. week. Tech week here. Some value names are trading higher here this morning. Here, so actually, IWM has just went green. Um, it's definitely a little more mixed than what you'd think when you just look at the S and P being down ten handles. There is some stocks that are trading in, in the green, but. I think, again, we're just in this market where they're taking profits on the pops. And I think you've still got to keep that mindset. I don't think Tommy changed my mind here this morning. He was kind of on the same side where, you know, it's been easy sliding this first half. And, you know, we've come back a long ways. And here are the queues approaching the, the highs to where they were in July, but not making new highs here yet. And that's somewhat concerning here, too. And valuations are stretched on some stuff. I didn't like the move in the IWM yesterday. It's been a nice bounce back the last week of August. And then, you know, we just fell apart there yesterday. So you've got to be somewhat cautious here, I think, with, you know, being all in on this market here. It doesn't feel like the all in market. Yeah, one stock that I'd point to that I think is very important. I know that we've been looking also as NVIDIA as a good bellwether of the market something to keep an eye out for. Microsoft has been another big watch for me. Why? I've been waiting to see if the stock that kind of led the correction with their mention of AI would also lead maybe the move back because that's the way I see Microsoft. And yesterday was a decent day. I think getting above that 330. Now I'm going to be looking to see if we can hold 330 on pullbacks because I think Microsoft could lead this rally back in tech. Of course, one area that I will be watching closely is the banks and that concern. Dennis, I was playing KRE to the short side yesterday. Um, made some decent money on that yesterday, but uh, I'm still looking at these banks and I'm seeing JPM just going lower and lower. Look at the action yesterday. Like that to me was a bull trap out the open and then just take down here and going through the support of the 145 yesterday, right here on the daily, you can see that support now it looks like it wants to go lower. Will these banks start to cause concern? The banks are always a concern. I mean, again, take JP Morgan out and we've done the exercise here. The banks have been a very poor place, not talking about JP Morgan, but all the other ones have been a very poor place to invest your capital in the last 15 years. You know, Citigroup has gone nowhere. Yeah, you're getting paid a little bit of dividend here now. But really, you know, it's been an ugly place to be. I think there's still, I'm with you. I think we're going to lose another couple more regional banks here. I don't think it's over. I think everybody's forgotten about it, but I don't think it's over. Yeah. I kind of am concerned about the KRE here. I don't like the trading action from it yesterday either. It looks like a head and shoulders forming here to me just from a technical basis here. Yeah. And if you start to see these, key, these uh, regional banks start to go down here again, yes, they've rallied. So, you know, we're talking contrarian here because they've been going up here. But maybe this is the opportunity to lighten banks up. So I don't come in here and say, oh, I love, you know, this yield here on the banks. I almost put the banks in like the worst possible category because the dividends aren't that great anymore. I was in them for the dividends before. Um, and they're not that great when compared to cash. But the risk is just huge because there's huge debt there. There's huge, you know, borrowing, obviously. You know, there always has been. And then we saw multiple regionals, you know, fail here. So I don't. I, I think the risk in the banks, the risk-reward in the regional banks is set up really poorly. So I'd be very cautious just coming into the banks and buying, especially the regionals. 
Yeah, and, and that's where like I feel like that's the only thing that could come and stop this party because the truth is, is I I do think that people are loading into growth names. Um, we can talk about that with ARKK and and some of their stocks yesterday getting the lift. Uh, Zoom even getting the lift. We were talking about it just yesterday, and then look at Zoom get a little bit of a push up. Roku, oh, nice. you found out what happened there. Roku getting a big push. Tesla was strong. Right. And so it was a Kathy type day yesterday. I mean, she didn't have a great day on the arc, but she was up and there was a lot of stocks that were down. They were going, the pot stocks are buzzing again here. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. That was my next And, and, you know, like people are like, oh, my goodness, you know, CGC up 30%. What a day yesterday. CGC, what a day yesterday, up 30% or whatever it was yesterday. The stock's 74 cents. <laughs> I mean, let's give a perspective here. Everybody yeah. is in this thing is still massacred on this thing. So, yeah, the people who bought a day before make 30% of their capital. The majority of people are down a hell of a lot more. The majority of people are down 90 or 98 or 99% of their money on CGC. So these pot stocks have just been a terrible long-term place to be. But, you know, there's a bell. They're talking, you know, legalization. There's always, you know, the moves. And you can play these moves. I was trading MSOS a little bit yesterday. You yeah, yeah. I got to give a good shout out moves. to – I have to give a good shout out, Dennis. We have to do this for MSOS. We got to give a shout out to Spencer Israel. This is the Spencer Israel stock. That's how I was remember that? Spencer. Was he the one he used that was to always interested in this? He invested in MSOS. Um, and I, it's not a bad – vehicle to be invested in i think what i like msos is that it no, gives it's you been a, that's not true it's been a terrible vehicle to be invested in I you mean, know these stocks 25 dollars back in july 50 dollars back in april these pot stocks have been a terrible, terrible my, my thing my thing here is that if you want exposure to the otc stocks because those are the ones that i think eventually come to the market and have value i would want exposure to msos i'm just going to put that out there why because at the end of the day um, you want to be in the ones that could come to the market, I think, versus the ones that are in the market right now. The ones that are in the market, like let's say uh, Tilray, uh, Canopy Growth, those are the ones I don't want exposure. But I want Cure Leaf. I want True Leaf. In the long run, you guys heard it. Biden's pushing for it right now. He pushed to get it deschedulized, and that's what got this moving. Right? It was the Biden mention um, by the administration trying to push for deschedulizing, and who knows when that can happen. All I know is that when we finally get federal legalization, I think this these stocks are going to have their, their moment again. And you know what? I will take the exact opposite side of this. This is why we have a market, because I watched how it happened in Canada, and they all had their moments, and then we went to federal full legalization and opened it wide up, and they all just tanked and puked and died. So it's all about valuation here. I think in the short term, and I was long MSOS yesterday. I'm out of it now. In the short term, I think there's good trading opportunity here. It's went from five to eight. It's been moving, but it's overextended here now too. I think in the long run, if you're investing in these companies, I think you lose money. We'll see what happens. That's why it's a market, baby. I've been sticking with my cannabis stocks. I think I'll stick with them, but that's the and, fun and you've part. Been, and if you've been sticking with cannabis, you've been dead wrong because that, I've been dead set. You have to wait set. though. There I may be... I just want to interrupt you for a second. Yeah. There may be nobody that called cannabis better than me. I've hated these stocks forever. And I told you on this show, and if you've been listening to this show for five or 10 years, you know I've been talking about these stocks with these ridiculous valuations, especially the Canadian ones. And I said, eventually, all of these things are going to be a hell of a lot lower. It didn't mm-hmm. know the path to get there. And some of them went up after I said that. 
But in the end, I was right on all this stuff. So I'm wrong on a lot of things, but I've been right on pot stocks. And I'm not going to get off the bearish camp here on these pot stocks because they just had a 20, 30% move in one day. I mean, again, maybe, you know, you don't like the Canadian ones and maybe, you know, there's some opportunities in the short term and some of these U.S. ones that aren't listed. Uh, I don't know all that. I just know that valuations have been just, you know, they were through the roof. You know, Tilray was $300 a share. It's three bucks. If you've been investing in these things, the odds are if you're investing in these things for more than a few months, you're down big money in them and you're not listening to pre-market prep because we would have kept you out of that. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Like I said, I, I've been on the pause game. I haven't invested in these, but I'm waiting for the right opportunity. My thing's federal legalization. We'll find out if that day comes. Um, now, uh, let's go to earnings stocks tonight. I just wanted to quickly take a preview of some of the ones that are coming tonight. We get GameStop. We got Play, ChargePoint, AEO, Path, AI. Any of these interest you, Dennis? Uh, AEO will be interesting because it's just one of those like Abercrombie and Fitch. I feel like it's the same dang company. And Abercrombie yeah, had the gap and go off earnings. I think they run this stock ahead of the report here. It's tonight. I wouldn't be surprised if AEO has a day here today. It's actually trading up in the pre-market. Uh, light volume though, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's strong into it because if they're looking at it like Abercrombie, I used to pair trade AEO with ANF. Those were two that I just directly pair traded together. Um, I don't so much pair trade those anymore just because the retailers seem to, but you can see there's definitely that strength in AEO and ANF. And the other one was Urban too. Those three are just, you know, been showing Urban's come off here now. But Abercrombie's continuing to show strength. I think it'll be strong into the report. I don't know how the report's going to be. But again, this market seems to not price in that much. So I think Abercrombie was really good. I think the AEO earnings could be good as well. Jay, I mentioned GameStop. He said I didn't mention it. I, th I think I mentioned it. We'll definitely yeah. keep an eye yeah, on the GameStop. GameStop whatever. I'm, I'm, so I went into a GameStop. I got to watch what I say because if I say something negative about it, there'll be 25 people hating I'm me. I'm with you. I'm with you, Dennis. So you, you got to be, be worried about them. what you watch. So I, I went into back, the GameStop. Man. I've never been in a GameStop ever in my life. So I went into the store because um, I pulled out my more old Wii. I pulled out my old uh, Nintendo Oh, Wii. the Nintendo Wii? And I was like, I got no control. My controller's not working. I was like, Oh, you got to get GameStop. Rock Band for that, man. A little Rock well, Band. Well, I have that too, but my controller's just old and not working. The thing's like 10 years old. But I pulled it out for the kids. So I go into GameStop, and I'm like, you have any old Wii stuff? They're like, no, we don't sell any of that stuff. And I was like, I thought GameStop's supposed to be where you go for all these games. So I was the only person in the store. So literally, I was the only person in the store. It was closing. Then my kids started looking at stuff. Well, they just kept it open a few extra minutes because it was a customer in the store. I'm not joking. So they're like, no, take your time. Take your time. We're just, you know, doing the tail and stuff. And that was a good thing. And they were very professional. They were very nice. It was a very nice looking store. But there was nobody in the store. Maybe it was at closing time. Nobody buying anything. And then they couldn't even. So they gave me a card to go to another store to go try to find the Wii controller, which was very nice. They were awesome about that. But I'm like, I thought you'd go GameStop because that's where you sell like the games, you know, older games and different stuff. So maybe I'm wrong. It's just they had a lot of Mario like merchandise in there because obviously Mario is a big thing right now. Uh, but I was, you know, like surprised that I couldn't get, you know, a, a Wii controller or a Wii controller there. But anyways, I just wasn't over. I was very impressed with the service, but I'm like, it doesn't look like this company's turning around and going to be this driver where everybody's going to GameStop. Let's get let's get it right, right? What is GameStop? How do they make their money? They make their money off of used games and getting them from kids that just want to turn it in for nothing. That's how they make their money. 
They take advantage of ki little kids bringing their video games because I was one of those, right? You bring like 10 games. I got 10 games. I have a console. I have two controls and everything. I have a headset. You go to turn it in. They're like, well, we'll give you uh, $25. And you're like, what? But I didn't I even see any of that. Did they reinvent themselves, Mitch? Because that's what I thought it was, too. I thought you could go in there and you get all used games and stuff. They didn't have any old games. It was all new stuff. Yeah, they, they, maybe they, it take just a, store. they take it to the warehouse nowadays. Oh. And, and nowadays, you, you don't have such so much inventory in these GameStops. I, I, it just wasn't anything. There wasn't anything to buy in there. So it was like, like nothing, like it, it didn't, there was small store and I don't, I don't know what they were really selling. They were selling the new games, I guess. But <laughs> I just thought GameStop was a place to go get old used video games. And that's not the case. There was no used video games in there at all. So I just don't even know what that store is. Hey, we'll see what happens, guys. Will GME surprise tonight? AI coming on the report tonight. Uh, Kathy Wood favorite path. Charge point play. I mean, there's a lot that is actually coming in tonight. We'll definitely talk all about this tomorrow on pre-market prep. Any last comments here, Dennis, before I get you out of here? Um, just again, I'm being somewhat cautious here. I think you've got to be cautious in this market environment. I don't think it's like the 20, like the beginning of the year and everything was oversold and we're rip roaring. Like, is is the P on Apple going to go from 30 to 40? Because they ain't grown I earnings. Have it. I still have it. They ain't it. grown earnings. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, I, I again, know, I've been man. wrong because Apple's come a long ways back. You know, I sold my yeah. stock. It sold off after I sold it, but I didn't get back in. It's bounced back again. They continue to buy this stuff. But I mean, I just don't see. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is going to 40. But I'll tell you, the E is not going up at Apple. Not anytime soon. Microsoft, same thing. They talk about the gradual, gradual earnings growth with AI. That E is not going up anytime soon, but maybe this is no other place to be. So it continues to be the place because other stuff doesn't have growth. So you're trying to look, but there's really any growth in Microsoft, Apple either. There's just growth in the share price because the PE keeps going up. The E is not going up. Show me that E. Show me how to grow that E. NVIDIA is at least growing the E. And I've argued this before. I would rather own NVIDIA at 47 times earnings than Apple at 30 times earnings. I think in three, four years, you'll see that PE, that NVIDIA is E is going to be going up. Where that Apple E, I don't know if it's going up that much. They're not growing earnings. Why are we paying 30 times for a company that is not growing? That's my concern. I just think it's just story here. It's all about uh, the iPhone coming right now. And I think that that's what they're buying up, Dennis. They're buying up the iPhone story. I don't of care course, about the story, though, as an investor. So there's a separation here that is important to talk about. Agree. Story is to trade. You want to know, like, so story is good for trading. But in the long run, I want to know about earnings. I want to know about revenue growth. I want to see, like, NVIDIA is showing me all that. You know, NVIDIA is showing me. And I'm almost talking myself into buying NVIDIA just because, you know, I've sold all these other tech stocks here. And everybody thinks NVIDIA is so expensive. You know what's expensive is Apple. Apple yeah. is expensive. It used to trade 12 times earnings. It trades 30 times earnings, and it's not growing the E. So is an iPhone story that you drive the price in the short term? Sure. What really drives long-term value is those earnings, though, and revenue growth. And we haven't seen growth in Apple in a long time. It's so big. It's hard to grow when you're a $3 trillion company. Microsoft, same issue. So the only reason these stocks have gone up is because people are willing to pay more for the same earnings. That changes. They better start growing those earnings, though, and this AI better be real for them. 
We will see what happens. Like always, you guys can find out everything right here on Benzinga. Stick with my man, Dennis Dick, Triple D Trader on Twitter. Definitely give him a follow if you're not already doing so. Dennis, go do what you do best, my friend. Get to your trading action. Have a good one, man. All right, and that's what it's all about. As you guys hear from Dennis, Dennis always is trying to share a little bit of wisdom, long-term, short-term. Definitely catch those moments. Today's learning lesson of the day, I'm going to call it the... The baseball one, because you don't swing at every pitch. That was the quote that we got from Dennis today. I want to keep doing this, and I'm going to try to catch moments where you guys can get the learning lessons from pre-market prep. Of course, I know that you guys that stick around to the end of the show always are trying to learn. So smash that like button. If you guys enjoyed pre-market prep today, we'll wrap it up, team. Bring you guys over to, of course, live trading That's coming up next. Like always, hit the subscribe button if you're not already subscribed. What are you guys waiting for? Hit those likes. Hit the bell so you can be notified the moment we go live. Coming to you guys next, we got live trading. Of course, Lloyd Ryan and myself going to get after it. If you guys haven't checked it out, we've been doing a really great partnership with Trade the Pool. You guys are interested in some prop action? Come over and check out live trading. We do it live in front of you guys. Hit the thumbs up. I'll see you guys over there. Smash the like, and let's keep it going right here, only on Benzinga.